And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Muddy Knees Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, the Lions can he be tamed. Shelley Kerr says cheerio and the best and worst of 2020. I'm Andrew Slavin, and joining me are my favourite festive friends from Motherwell Football Club, Laura Brannan, and from The Telegraph, we've got JJ Bull. Merry Christmas to the both of you. Merry Christmas. Can we say that now, actually? It's Happy well, New we're Year. Done now, we? <laughs> Happy in-between week. <laughs> yeah, it's an in-between week, isn't it? It's a bit weird. It's happy not knowing what day of the week it is. Did you both have a nice time at all? <laughs> Yes, it was lovely. Yes, it was. It was lovely. Oh, it was quiet but nice. I'm very pleased. The small talk is done. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Because um, before uh, we talk about any action, we we need to start with the sad news, unfortunately, about Jim McLean passing away um, on Boxing Day at the age of 83. McLean spent 22 years in charge of Dundee United, with the club describing him as unquestionably the most successful manager in the club's history and unlikely to ever be surpassed. McLean won the title and two League Cups and he also took the Terrace to the UEFA Cup final, beating Barcelona on the way. In the last 55 years, only four clubs have been champions of Scotland and Dundee United are one of them. I mean, it's it's just another monumental person in Scottish football history that, that seems to leave us and I don't think we are going to see managers of that his ilk ever again don't you think Poss- well let's hope there would be someone that can do something like it um on that UEFA cup note they were almost Dundee they almost Dundee United into a second final but there was a who is it they're playing in the semi it was an Italian team was it Roma and they bribed the ref it was Roma yeah the semi final of the European cup because <laughs> they were they were 2-0 up at Tannadice but lost uh, 3-0 um second leg and the, yeah, Roma had literally bribed the referee to get them through. The jerks! It would have been them versus uh, Liverpool, I think, in the final. That would have been insane. Yeah. That would have been insane. I saw like an amazing like interview with uh, Brian Clough talking about how like Nottingham Forest had won like European Cups and he was looking at Dundee United and saying it's just good to see, it's good for football when you see teams the size of these clubs doing so well in Europe. And I, I really do hope we can get back to that in some stage. He's such a big name to lose from Scottish football. He was very much a kind of manager of his time. I think kind of a similar ilk of Alex Ferguson where he'd give the hairdryer treatment to players and he'd make sure everyone knew who was boss. But he did it. He did it to get a reaction. He kind of wanted to see you get your back up and and, and prove him wrong almost. Go out there and, and, and get the result by showing him that he was wrong for shouting at you. I think it was Morris Malpass said something like, when he barked, you jumped, <laughs> which I thought was quite a good quote. Another good quote I heard was, um, Jim McLean said it himself, if you accept mediocrity, then you most certainly, that is what you will get. 
And I just think that's a great quote. I think that is something that, that all managers should kind of live by. Um, we should never really go into a game accepting a draw or a defeat. Go out there and, and aim for the best. And if, if you fall on the way, then fine. But at least aim for it. Yeah, an absolute legend and a giant of the game. Um, but let's move on to action on the field, starting with the favourites to win this season's title. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Yanis Hadji's early goal was enough to secure a 12th Premiership win in a row for league leaders Rangers. But Hibs were actually really good in this game um, and they were probably the best team to have played Rangers this season. They drew with them 2-2 earlier on. So were they unlucky to not do the same again, JJ? I think they played really well. The setup was right. The players got everything right. They were targeting Rangers' weaknesses like in where the fullbacks would advance so they were getting in there. They were much better in the second half, I think. Um, as teams tend to be against Rangers I think teams go in and they're a bit worried and then they come in at half time and go oh right well, we can actually have a go here and then they push forward and come into it I mean if it wasn't for that uh, Hadji goal obviously because that's what won, won the game they might have got more out of it but everything else is pr- they're pretty even like they had chances I think they play to their strengths you know you, you get Boyle into into channels you get Nisbet up from where you want to get him into Josh Joy had a decent game um, but you saw like in, in the second half, the important bit was having those wing backs like push right, like, like much further forward. So in the first half, they played um, deep and they were, you know, Tavernier and Barisic were able to get up the pitch. But um, in the second half, they were pushed much further up, getting higher up, and that meant they were able to get more into the game. And uh, yeah, I guess they were unlucky actually to answer the question. <laughs> the one thing that Hibs were obviously missing was just that really clear cut chance. I know they had, well, a really early chance with, with a ball in from Doig um, and Boyle just coming short and the only real big chance after that was was Halberg testing McGregor but there was a few penalty shouts in this game what are your thoughts on first the Joe Newell one uh, for Hadji and then there was the Martin Boyle one as well Laura what did you think of those two incidents yeah so the Newell one I think it's a reckless challenge it doesn't make contact uh, but you could argue it should be given for the intent. Um, but my question is, why does Neil go down like he's been hit? There is no contact there. Because he's trying to win the penalty. Yeah, so, it, so, he's, so he's cheating. He's trying to fool the ref. Um, and I, just, I really, really hate that so much. I hate this that I'm going to try and trick you into thinking I've been fouled. I, I kind of feel like his dishonesty it merits him not getting a penalty, even though I know that's not in the rule book. Do you not think the ineptitude of like Scottish referees, I mean, they are bad, plain bad, uh, it means that you have to sort of... Like, there's an example in the Aberdeen game I think we'll talk about later on, which is just horrendous. But um, this here, like, I know it's sort, of, it's sort of cheating, like it's sort of gamesmanship, I get it, but he, has, like, he thinks he's going to get a boot in the face, so he goes down, and then you just sort of hold your face down there to try and get it. But then, if that's a penalty, right, then surely every time anyone ever tries like a bicycle kick in the, in the box, <laughs> I always wonder this, right? So if you do a bicycle kick in the box, whether a defender or attacker, and you score it or hit it, you're like, wow, what great technique. But you could easily like cave someone's skull in by doing it. So surely it's dangerous play every single time you go for a bicycle kick. But but you will always win the footballing moral victory if you try a bicycle kick anywhere in the pitch. But what if you hit someone in the head, then it's high feet. 
It's a weird. I know rule. what you mean. It's one of those rules we just go. Ah, it's you know. It's it's one of those though that um it it does highlight when a similar scenario happens in the middle of the park and a referee will definitely give it for dangerous play. This is, that's just the way it is. So when it is in the box, is it different? I personally think I, I wouldn't have given a penalty for it either. But um, there was the Martin Boyle incident also. JJ, what did you think of that? Uh, I don't think there was any other penalties. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a counter-argument we said here that um, doing that and looking to game it is something you need to do because everyone else does it. But um, perhaps in Scotland as well, we should be... It's, <laughs> it's kind of, I kind of agree with you as well, or is the thing. You've got to sort of be in the side of it and be clever to win what you have to get. And yeah. he almost got booted in the face, right? So he's got to go down, I think. Yeah. So it's hard. To, I don't it's, know. It's, <laughs> Move on. <and> it's, <laughs> the, 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 the weird thing is, we're talking, I know it's a bit heavy on the whole penalty chat, um, but the fact of the matter was, this is a different Rangers side that we saw that we haven't seen for a while where... They're actually under the cosh a wee bit. And Hibs here kind of give the template of how you play against them. They've not um, breezed through other games, like we said, but all their strength is built on that defence and keeping clean sheets. They've, they've yeah. only conceded one goal in the league in a final 15 minutes of a game all season, mm. which I think uh, is credit to Hibs. It was a nervy end. And not many teams have done that to, to Rangers. So also, Hibs is one of the only teams with players good enough to play the more of a kind of higher press against Rangers. And they have players like Boyle, Nisbet, um, Doig even, who can make use of the space in behind those those fullbacks and wingbacks. So it's kind of the game that suited exactly how Hibs could play against them. And, uh, and Jack, Jack Ross set up in a, a brave way. Like There's something that he said, I think, after the game is that they're trying to put this mentality into Hibs where they're not happy losing even to Rangers. And that is what teams need to do to be able to beat teams like Rangers. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Up next for the league leaders, uh, they make a short trip to Paisley, which is the only place they've lost a game this season. St Mirren were 2-0 winners at Ross County on Boxing Day. That's just one defeat in the last 13 games for Jim Goodwin's team. Um, But can they? Can they repeat their heroics in the League Cup and, and beat Rangers again? Uh, no <laughs> Come on Laura <laughs> Like the Lightning doesn't strike twice These things never happen When when a, a shock result happens They never do it twice in such a short space of time I mean look at Ross County During the week They boot Celtic out of the cup a few weeks ago And then they, they lose in the league a couple of weeks later It's it's kind of predictable If, if St Mirren can pull it off twice In such a short space of time Then absolutely fair play to them that's a fantastic two results for them but I just I don't think you should ever really expect a shock result to be to be followed up and, and repeated again in the league well it has been a good week for St Mirren though JJ after um, what was it the, it was announced that their, their two 3-0 defeats um, they were awarded for breaching Covid protocols were suspended on appeal so the the, the table changed and um, they went up to 7th <laughs> yeah isn't that good We've talked about Seymour quite a lot recently. I like them. I think Jim Goodwin is a good manager and they're uh, going places. Who knows? They might even end up in the top six this season. And uh, it just seems to have come together. Like we were talking last week to Pine Bovril off of the Twitters mm-hmm. about it. And it makes sense that like, Goodwin's not really changed too much in how you know what they do. It just shows you how important the players are. This sounds so obvious, but as soon as they get a couple of players back from injury, you know, you've got Jake Doyle Hayes in that midfield, gives them a lot of uh, security, looks after things. McGrathley's to the middle now. And they seem to be, I think they've improved, I think, 
like their conversion, so that their XG and stuff like that. So let me just double check. I know they were down for a while, so that they're actually they're still under achieving what they should be scoring, technically, um, and they are still they are conceding fewer goals than they are expected to. So there's a chance that I mean that's sort of leveling out anyway. But um, as for beating Rangers, I don't know if they'll do that. But they know how to. True, uh, Hibs, Hibs have shown how to. The th- the thing is in this game that they they beat Ross County, you couldn't really separate the teams until. You know the two red cards which happened. So you had Reed sent off, and then you had Ross Draper sent off. And I I don't really know what happened with the Ross Draper one. Do you guys know? Right. So the yellow cards are supposedly because Draper's fouled someone, and then uh, after that he's shoved Erhan. Yeah, he shoved him. So he gets a second yellow, and that's him going. It's the referee sticking to the rules. It's an example. There's a few weird examples of referees doing odd things. This, uh, this weekend it feels like there's a few examples of refs sticking to the rules like anally sticking sticking to the rules this weekend um, they've had a reminder having, or something yeah yeah not having any breathing space at all yeah it's almost like a kind of a warning across the board to them is this is this another you know moment where John Hughes Yogi as we all know him uh, is just not getting any breaks at the moment you know two games two defeats he's now had two key players sent off when is he going to get a, a break to get some momentum? Because when a new manager comes in, it's all about impact, isn't it? You yeah, just want to get points on the board early. They've got probably the worst team, them and Hamilton, the worst team in the division. They're, they're going to struggle to stay up. They're going to probably change the, the way they're playing quite a lot under um, John Hughes. It'll take time for that to come through. It takes months for that to be implemented. <laughs> he badly <laughs> needs the winter break this year. The winter break is going to really, like, the lack of... The training time he would have got there, yeah. The coaching yeah. time he would have got with the winter break would have probably made a huge difference. Now, he's got not enough time because there's games all the time. So after a game, you can't go in and train. You have to have a relaxation day. Or it's like game day plus one, whatever it's called. Then if you've got a game on the Wednesday after the Saturday, you might get one or two games of training, but it'll be small reduced. You can't have enough. So there's not really much you can do other than analysis and talking to people other than getting much on the pitch. Up next, the hottest team in Scotland right now. Welcome back to the ground. Tickets, please. Thank you, madam. And let's see, sir. Oh, sorry, now you're in tier three. No, I ain't. We're in tier two. We're allowed to be here. You can't take away my freedom. Tier three of the stadium over there. Donut. What? Uh, By the donut stand. Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy Power's offers are at full capacity. If one leg of your 4 plus 4 acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude. Shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gamble aware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Robinson, oh my goodness, what a goal! That's going to win this game! Scott Robinson with an outstanding goal! It's six wins out of six for David Martindale as Livingston manager. Scott Robinson struck in stoppage time. What a goal as well uh, to consign Kilmarnock to yet another defeat. Um, Martindale said he would have been quite happy to take a point in this game given the conditions at Rugby Park. It was horrible, but... I mean, I can't go anywhere but just talk about the Scott Robinson finish. In the oh, end, lovely. it's just a great yeah. way to win a game, isn't it? Absolutely lovely. He just he hooks it over Danny Rogers, doesn't he, with his first touch? Loft. Doesn't even bring doesn't even bring the ball down to control it. It was a beautiful. It was delicious, <laughs> JJ. Football. 
It's a ridiculous goal. Also, like, so <laughs> Livy scored two goals here with an XG of 0.6. Like, they shouldn't have scored. I mean, compared uh, to the fir- first, compared well, to the, the equaliser, JJ. <laughs> well, the goalkeeper should. Have, I mean, everyone knows the goalkeeper should have oh, saved the first one and went in, right? So that's a mistake. These things happen. But then you can't account for that finish. It's ridiculous. Like, uh, the technique, it's such good technique oh, to hit that yeah. ball like that. It's. If that was scored in like the Champions League, you'd be going, whoa! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's Livy on a plastic pitch, so you don't really care that much. Uh, JJ, yeah. have, you, have you seen anything different to Livingston since Martindale's taken full reins at, at Livingston? Uh, well, if I'm completely honest, as an, an, an analyst? An analyst? Uh, uh, no. No, I haven't seen an awful lot of, of difference in what they're doing. Um, it's playing a lot uh, simpler, I think it would said, of a system than Gary Holt was. It's a straight 4-2-3-1, basically. Uh, one of the things that I have noticed is that when we were going through... So, like, early in the season, I was looking at what Livingston did, and one of the things they did under Gary Holt was play more long balls than any human team has played before <laughs> in the history of football but that I think is slowing down slightly to keep the ball a bit shorter the other thing that they're um, doing is not playing uh, Robbie McCrory in goal Mm. and since they've taken him out and I think Gary Holt changed this as well uh, suddenly their underlying statistics like XG have started to reset so they they weren't scoring as many as they were creating earlier in the season uh, their XG was much higher than the actual goal scored. Now it's pretty much level. The 23.7 is their XG. This is all Y-Scout data. And their goal, they've scored 22 goals in the league. So that's that's come up now. And it was much. It was a big gap before. Goals against. And this is the one that I was blaming McCrory for. And he's a young goalkeeper. And mm. he's, clearly, he's clearly got talent in there. So he'll get better. Uh, but he made a, f- a good few errors. And that maybe bred a lack of confidence within defence in front of him. But now they've conceded 26. But they were... They're expected against is 22.5. Again, this is not a perfect science XG. It's a rough guide. So it doesn't mean they should have scored, you know, only conceded 22.5 goals. But it kind of gives you a sense because it was higher before as well. And um, I think that is locked down to the goalkeeper. And just having that little change is one thing. Other than that, I think not conceding silly goals, which has which has cost them in the past. Um, they've been weak from set pieces as well. So maybe they've been working on that. In, in training as well but I need to see a good few more games for I can confidently say that he's made a real difference I think it's just some players playing better and not making the mistakes that were getting them losing games that they have been this season yeah well uh, next to enter the Lions den uh, it's Aberdeen on Wednesday uh, could this be a good one to watch JJ no I think I saw <laughs> no <laughs> I saw you on Twitter say that uh, the Dons are just awful to watch right now, so I, I teed you up and you slammed uh, and it I down. And rightly, I rightly get called out for it by a Ross County fan. Um, I've forgotten his name, sorry. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he follows me anyway. But it said he's Aberdeen fans, they all expect it to be like the 80s when they're trying to win. <laughs> it's, like, it's not. That's not the case. Like th- What I like about Sporting Aberdeen at the moment is that I, I kind of expect to win every single game 1-0. <laughs> But, but you expect to win because you know you've got the better players. But like the St. Johnston game, for example, I think St. Johnston were the better team, yeah, but Aberdeen had the better players, if that makes sense. So Aberdeen yeah. had the better players and scored... I mean, it was never a penalty. And no, that is an example of the referee, by the way. This is... You know, I've talked about this before, right? Uh, Laurel probably comes into this as well. But I think the referee just thinks he has to give a penalty because he realises he should have given one for the handball, which wasn't even a penalty for me either. 
I agree. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. Laura, do you feel the same? No, I was actually going to. I was going to say I'm confused because I've only seen one angle from it. And I've watched it several times and I still don't quite know what it's been given for. And Callum Davison came out and said pretty much the same thing. He said mm-hmm. he's watched, he's going to have to watch it three or four times. And even McInnes agreed Aye. that he could understand why Davidson would be frustrated by it. What was it actually given for? I don't know. It looks like Sean Rooney is <laughs> the closest defender to Sam Cosgrove. But here, Sam Cosgrove took the penalty. Isn't it Lewis Ferguson that's supposed to be taking these penalties? JJ? Well, as they discussed on Red TV during the game, I think it was Lewis's dad, was it Derek Ferguson? Yes, it was Derek Ferguson, um, who revealed that Lewis takes the penalties um, normally, but if Sam can win the penalty, he gets it, which is maybe a motivational tactic from McInnes to get Cosgrove to step it up. He's coming back from injury still. He keeps playing Curtis Main. Please stop. And also... <laughs> Cosgrove now needs to kind of prove that he was, you know, he's the player he was. Because a lot of his goals come from penalties. So if he's not going to get penalties, how is he going to score? It might help him develop. It could be a motivational tactic. But I think you saw bits and pieces from Cosgrove in this game. Um, powerful shots, getting, winning himself a bit of space to shoot. He might be worth looking at in fantasy football going forward. Yeah. Um, I think I think he'll come into it a little bit. I, I just don't, I just don't see. Him and Main. I mean, playing Curtis Main as a reserve is fine because you get a bit of you get a lot of effort from him. You know, as a big lad. But come on, it's so sure. Yeah, so I know boring it. to watch, man. <laughs> He's like not just him. Not just him. He's, you know, it's uh, the whole team. It's the whole team. Yeah, obviously uh, Aberdeen two one winners over St Johnson on Boxing Day, um, but you know, disappointment for St Johnson really because they they lost a few players as well. Like Danny McNamara um, mm-hmm. got recalled to Millwall, so and he's been an absolute standout for them. That's a massive loss. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't realize he got recalled. That's really big loss for them. He's done really well since he came in. And they've lost Scott Tanzer as well. Like, did you see that his injury? It was horrible to watch, and it looks like he's out for a long time. So that's two. You know, strong fullbacks not available. I mean, you wouldn't have had them in your fantasy football because they haven't kept a clean sheet in like eleven games. That goal um, that Gordon scored as well is so weird because yeah, Joe what's Lewis happened is, there was the defence. Well, yeah, he's lost his man for a start, but you can't. I mean, he's headed that like literally into the ground in front of his face. But Joe Lewis as well. What? What is? I mean, he's had a bad couple of weeks, hasn't he, JJ? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's just—he's not even out of position. You just no, can't deal with it. The ball's bounced so far over his head. There's, I don't think you can predict that. Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying, remember Joe Lewis had that horror against St Mirren. Oh yeah, but he's allowed that. He's basically made no mistakes in about five years of playing there, so you can let him off for that. Kilmarnock, meanwhile, face Motherwell this Wednesday, and Laura, you must have thought that you, could, well, Motherwell had taken all three points at Tannadice on Saturday. Um, the BBC website certainly did. <laughs> That's <laughs> harsh. By the way. Well, they, 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 yeah, they, they forgot because obviously Nicky Clark got a last-minute equaliser in well spectacular fashion, but the BBC forgot to change their headline. I'll stand up for my fellow internet producers, by the way, because that's an easy <laughs> little mistake. Oh, it's an easy mistake to make. I totally get. I totally know. I totally know how hard it is. I think somebody at the BBC just wanted to get home for their Christmas dinner number two on Boxing Day night and uh, that game went on a wee bit too long for them and they were in a rush. I think there's just so much football, they're just like, just get it done, I don't care, it's yeah. Motherwell. Like, just get it done. Oi, hey! <laughs> Not even then, it's any football. It, it was a big sucker punch though, wasn't it, Laura? Like, the team must have been pretty 
demoralised after... Maybe demoralised is too harsh because they played really well. But they should have won this game. Oh, it was so disappointing. And I don't know, I have just, I've got really happy memories of last year's Boxing Day game because we scored a last-minute winner up in Dingwall. And it was that last-minute drama. And we, we turned it round and we got the points. And uh, yeah, OK, the way the game was going, it wasn't going to be the same sort of drama. But considering the run recently, three points, this is, this is fantastic. This is hopefully going to start turning things around now. The last minute equaliser, it's such a sucker punch. And Dundee United did exactly the same thing they did to Hibs the week before. Hibs dominated the game, had countless chances, and Motherwell were the same. And they still managed to to kill them off at the end um, in the, the, the same sort of manner. From a Motherwell perspective, look, if anyone's had any worries over the last couple of weeks about um, not producing up front, not creating enough chances, I think this performance kind of dispelled those we created a, a lot of chances. The problem was just putting them away. So unlucky. So so frustratingly unlucky in some parts of the game. Um, but I think the, the the way the players were so visibly frustrated at full time just shows how much the mother will deserve the points and how close that we actually came to getting the victory. The, the players were angry. Um, the, the players were shouting at each other when the, the goal was conceded. They, they were visibly frustrated walking off the pitch and I always do a full-time interview as the players are walking off um, and you, you get a, a vibe from players week in, week out after some defeats, some bad results and, and this one I interviewed Declan Gallagher and you could see just how much it meant to him. He was so angry. Yeah, He was just saying like, we need to learn how to win ugly, even if we are winning 1-0 and we feel as though we should be more goals ahead by that point and we aren't. Get the ball into the corner. We, other teams do it all the time and, and just fight it out to the, to the very end. Just to do anything to guarantee those points. So it is it's very, very frustrating, but there, there are positives to take from the game in terms of, from, again, from a multiple perspective. Um, Trevor Carson came back um, for his first game in eight. Um, Jake Carroll has spent his second game on the bench now he's been out for 10 months injured uh, when he does finally get back in that'll be a, a massive boost it's, it's frustrating because we don't have the reserve games just now so he can't just go in and play these friendlies um, or, or sorry just reserve games and, and get his fitness up he's going to have to get it in games in actual league games and when results aren't going your way, it's, it's trying to balance that. How do we bring our, one of our best players back? But also we don't want to bring back an unfit player who's not match fit in that sense. So, but again, having Trevor Carson and Jake Carroll back, it, it's, it's great looking forward. feels a bit like a season's escaping Motherwell at the moment, doesn't it? That must add to the... I can understand why, why they'd be wound up. There was another thing in this game, uh, another thing I think worth talking about Well, in the Motherwell game, was the, the worst referee. Why is Bobby Madden blowing up for the six second rule for Trevor Carson holding the ball I haven't seen that punished doesn't he know in... he's been out for so long he just wants the ball when's the last time you saw or even thought about the six second rule it's ridiculous this is what we were saying time. earlier on JJ when, have, yeah. have the referees been given a little reminder about exactly. the basics that's what, that's what I'm talking about this is the exact yeah. example Why? I, I, when's the last time you can remember like, think of the end of games when people are running them out like Laura's talking about teams needing to kind of see out a game do you know they never call it 10, 15 seconds. Ridiculous. This was 20 Why? minutes into the game as well. He was not, he can't be time wasting 20 was minutes it? into the game. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, there you go. Bizarre. Yeah, yeah, there's been loads of bizarre moments like that. Um, but is, is, you know, Motherwell without a win in seven, um, possibly the best chance to get one against Kilmarnock because eight defeats in nine now, five losses in a row. Um, but Alex Dyer says there's no need to panic. 
Is there a need to panic, JJ? Uh, um, no, I think the, I think they're just going to have a really boring season. They've got good players, good enough players to make sure they finish in the mid table. They're not going to do anything more special than that. But I think we predicted that um, a while ago. They're basically doing exactly what I thought. Oh, we I think we all said they would do um, earlier in the season. They're not going to finish top six probably. They are probably one of the better teams in the bottom six. Something's got to give, hasn't it? I, I say that, but it's probably now I've said that I've jinxed it, and it's going to be nothing each. <laughs> Well, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, it was sure. a bad day for Motherwell, wasn't it? Because you lost, uh, Motherwell lost eight points in one day. <laughs> anyway, uh, finally this weekend, Celtic secured another positive result, winning 3-0 at Hamilton. Um, but what's the biggest headline here? Is it David Turnbull scoring? Is it the fact that Lee Griffiths is is scoring, what, 3-3 three and three now? Or Odson Edward taking a penalty that's normal? Um, I don't know. What what do you take from this game as a, as a, if you're a Celtic fan? Do you just... You just happy that you're winning? Are you happy that you played well against a Hamilton side that's really struggling? I think as a Celtic fan, you get these games over the course of a season. It's just a routine win. Um, I go into Hamilton Ackies, they would expect to to win this game. They'd expect to come away from the three points. In the current climate, then maybe they're a bit more relieved to get such a result. But in the course of a season and over the course of Scottish football, it's just a routine you know, when isn't it? I don't think there's many headlines to really take from it. I did, I did like Brian Rice's comment after the game. He said it's a season for presents, and Celtic got a present with a penalty kick. Forget that. Forget that. Did you see the wind almost blowing yeah, him over? He, he almost took <laughs> off. Yeah, that's amazing. I really felt for him. Yeah, it's a horrible game to look at. Like the weather looked atrocious. Uh, Hamilton. I don't know what you get, what you say about them. They're fine. They they were well beaten. Uh, I can't tell if Celtic are good or not. Lennon says they look more like their normal selves, but I don't think it's too difficult to do that when you're playing against a team who you're much better than. I don't know. I mean, it really is to see what happens with the... I mean, obviously, it's not midweek. It's on the it's weekend, isn't it, Glasgow? Uh, uh, Celtic versus Rangers? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday, yeah. So I think that's... We're going to see a lot... Find out a lot about what that team is. I think if Celtic lose that, the noises... The amount of things they're going to be flinging in their gardens coronavirus restrictions Celtic fans <laughs> flinging fences around their own back gardens if they lose that yeah they've got Dundee United to play first um, who knows what's going to happen in that game I, I'll I, tell you what they'll sit deep like they did against uh, Motherwell they'll sit deep frustrate 4-4-2 four, four, and then they'll try and hit on the break but they probably won't So it's funny though because I, I just think there's so much attention now on this Celtic Rangers game that you almost forget that there's this midweek game for Celtic it's because they, they can you can judge them against each other because they're 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 kind of there and where Celtic should be. Whereas you expect them to beat Dundee United, I, I think, and we expect them to beat Hamilton. True. Uh, but I mean United. Well, I think what we learned in the last couple of weeks is that if you press Celtic, if you go up against them, you can get something out of them. But you have to have good players to be able to do that, and you've got to be brave in it. And it doesn't make sense for Dundee United to try and do that. It makes sense for them to sit deep and block the space and try and limit it. I just want to ask about how massive this game is for Celtic in the course of the, the title race. Because I don't really see a title race, but if they lose it, is it Rangers' title? Just, that's it, it's in the bag. Oh, please don't do this. <laughs> really? I think, yeah. it's imp- I think it's important. No, in the course we, of don't, the we don't know. Nobody knows. Laura, what do you think? Celtic have a lot of games in hand just now. Uh, I think it's far from over, and considering the collapse that Rangers had after the, the turn of the year last season... There's no saying that either team could have a drastic change in fortunes. 16 it's just, it's, points ahead. Yeah, but 
games but in hand. They've also got, what is it, three games in hand? And then they've got three more games against Rangers as well. So if they win the Old Firm games and their, their games in hand, then they're top of the league. Um, and it, it takes just a, a couple of stumbles against smaller teams, daft results that could change the course of the season. Come the, Rangers the win that game, they've won the league. I've said it. Um, coming up soon, we've got the best that 2020 had to offer. podcast spotify smart speaker and now ad free on the athletic this is the totally scottish football show with andrew slaven time now to hear from our friends paddy power courtesy of super producer charlie charlie will wednesday night be another good night to be a buddy i'm not your buddy guy <laughs> oh sorry right, i see what you mean yeah st mirren v rangers can jim goodwin sink stevie g again as he did two weeks ago while paddy power still think it's a long shot the buddies are 10 to 1 to take all three points with rangers 9 to 2 on to extend their winning streak to a lucky 13 we were talking about libby v aberdeen earlier the lions cannot be tamed right now but the dons are slight favorites with paddy power at six to four libby are 15 to eight among the favourites in the first goalscorer market are J. Emmanuel Thomas, the Jet, and Curtis Main, the Fridge Freezer. You think you're so funny, Charlie, don't you? <laughs> you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, JJ, you stop. Indeed. The big news of the week came on Christmas Eve with Shelley Kerr stepping down as Scotland women's manager after over three and a half years in charge. Heather Dewar from BBC Sport joins us now. And Heather, were you surprised at this um, news? Because I kind of felt Shelley Kerr had elevated the women's game in Scotland, you know, taking Scotland to, you know, a first ever major tournament in the World Cup. It was a surprise to me, but was it to you? Um, my honest answer is no. I wasn't surprised. I thought Shelley might not come back again after that Finland game. Um, obviously, still two matches to go, but there is time yet for another manager to come in and to try and reassess, try and tinker with things, try and experiment in February before looking at the World Cup qualifiers. So I, I wasn't. I think, you know, and obviously Shelley actually wasn't there in person for the last two matches in the Euros because she was self-isolating um, because of close contact with someone who got COVID-19. So, you know, she wasn't there in person. But no, I I think for Shelley, it was probably the right time for her to go. Um, I think it must have been a very hard decision for her because I know that she wanted to see out the Euros and she wanted to go out there. She she wanted to get through. Um but I think, no, just the right time for her. Um, I think that's the general consensus. Most people would say it probably would be the right time to go. I think I think most people like yourself would be shocked by the timing of it. And I think, you know, coming out when it did on Christmas Eve is, you know, potentially a little bit surprising. I, I maybe wasn't, ex you know, um, expecting it to come out on that particular date, but I did expect it to happen, yeah. How do we, how do we judge Shelley then looking back? What's her legacy? How will we remember her by... Do you know, Laura, that I think is quite a difficult one to answer at this stage. What she should be remembered for and what she will be remembered for right now are maybe two different things. And if we're if we're talking purely 
in the present tense, I think that's also really important. You know, maybe 20 years, 10 years down the line, it will be a totally different scenario. But if we're looking, if we're talking purely now, you know, Shelley has done undoubtedly some incredible things for the women's game in Scotland. And in fact, you know, let's be frank, the game in general. What will be the abiding memory of her right now, though? Sadly, I would say three key events. Failure to qualify for the Euros, as we've just discussed, despite being top seeds in the group. And that really was a massive, massive issue. A disaster of a game against Argentina in the group stage of the World Cup. That was the final game, if you remember, which ended 3-3 in the game that knocked Scotland out. And then, of course, the supposed bust-up with players at their camp in Paris. And for me, you know, Shelley's legacy should be so much more than that. Personally, I don't think she deserves to be tarred for the rest of her career with whatever happened between her and the players in France. If the story is correct, then of course Shelley will look back on that and wish things had been done differently. She said on record at the time, you know, there were a few hard and fast conversations. Uh, They will always happen in that kind of environment. And she did say on reflection, she would do things differently. Of course she would. So yeah, it's it's a tough one to call at the moment. What will her legacy be? And I and I do think you have to look at it in in those different ways and look at it at the moment. And I, I do think personally we'll look back differently in uh, in five to ten years' time. Well, who do you think? Well, who do you want to come in to replace her? Who do you think will come in? And uh, yeah, just that really. It's a really good group of players that I would say probably underperformed for this Euros. Um, who do I want to come in? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I think in an ideal world, I'd quite, I'd like to see Willie Kirk in there. Um, Uh but Willie has just signed another contract with Everton. I don't think the SFA could afford to, to, to buy that one out. That depends how much they want him. Um, would he take it? Mm, That's another very difficult question. I think if you asked lots of football journalists, they'd give you different answers to that. Would someone in his position, who's doing really well in the WSL, who's making a name for himself down there, um, who's homegrown as well, let's not forget, you know, he did really good things with Hibs. That's when I first met Willie, when he was um, in charge of Hibernian Ladies. So would he give that up and his club standing to then potentially take on that role with Scotland women, which is not an easy role. It is not an easy role. You know, and I and I think a lot of the players, in fact, Leanne Crichton said that recently. It's it's a tough gig. So would he give that up? It's I don't profile, know. Though, isn't it? Like it's it, is it should profile. be something that people really want. Yes, I, I would be tempted. If you're to really push me, I'd say that Willie would take it. Hmm. But that's really pushing. But then, you know, on the flip side of that, the SFA would obviously have to to spend the cash to get him out of his contract. Well, that's a good that's a good point. Then, do they have the cash? But do they subsequently need to make a quick decision? I don't think they need to make a, a super quick decision. Um, they've got the next couple of games coming up in February. So if necessary, they could keep on Andy Thompson, who looked after the side when Shelley was self-isolating for the last couple of games for the Euros. So they could go down that route. I know the players liked working with him. They thought he did a good job. I spoke to Lisa Evans after the the game and she was full of praise for Andy, actually. So it might be that they, they go down that route. But certainly Willie, for me, would would be able to manage that. And he knows a lot of the the Scotland players already with Lucy Graham and and the likes of Claire Emsley, of course, down at Everton already. But, you know, there are other ones, as I say, you know, Willie is homegrown. We we mustn't forget that. Scott Booth has been touted around as a a name, being phenomenally successful with Glasgow City. Personally, 
I think he would love the job. I think he would go for it, but I'm not sure the SFA would would go for him. He has um, he's worked for the SFA before. Um, then you've got the likes of Pauline McDonald and Pauline Hamill. Now there are only three women at the moment in Scotland who have their UEFA Pro licenses. One of them is Shelley Care, and the other two are Pauline Hamill and Pauline McDonald. So they are at the right level, um, and certainly in terms of affordability, they're probably more you know. In, uh, you know, the kind of level that the SFA might want to look at, but but maybe the SFA have to put their hands in the pockets and spend a little money, you know, a little bit of money in this. Also, guys, let's not forget the World Cup in France. Ian Maxwell is on record as saying that all funds generated by Scotland at the Women's World Cup would be reinvested in the women's game. Now, they received over £600,000 from uh, from FIFA. Some of that went on the player bonuses, as you'd expect. So, you know, it's not that full amount. There was then the joint response group and a lot of discussions around that. And that's been, of course, ongoing for quite some time and ongoing throughout coronavirus. Um, But a lot of the discussions within that joint response group were meant to be around that money and where that money would be, you know, um, invested in the women's game. I think there was a, a general consensus that a lot of that would go to the domestic game in Scotland. But again, we're yet to hear what's happened with that. So if that money is still there, and you'd hope that it is because we were told that it would be invested back into the women's game, then maybe there is a little bit of cash to spend. But, you know, the SFA have also um, spent money with the £5 million loan to help out clubs over the coronavirus. So who knows how deep their pockets are. So I think it really is a case of how ambitious are the SFA? How far do they want to take Scotland? And would they rather go down the route of homegrown managers like Pauline McDonald, Pauline Hamill, Scott Booth, potentially, or do they dip their hands into their pockets and and look at the likes of Willie Kirk or maybe abroad again? But since the Women's World Cup, what we've seen is very little commercialisation of the women's game. We haven't seen that much sponsorship. We haven't seen um, a lot of media attention. Glasgow City have been getting a fair amount of attention, quite rightly so. But there's still a lot that needs to be done. So I think there's a lot of questions that need to be asked and it's a it's a difficult one for, for the SFA. They need to get this one right. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Time now to look back on one of the most unique years in Scottish football history. So we're joined now by good friend of the show, Finn Marks. Hello, Finn. Yeah. Hello. 2020 was pretty mental. We had six months of no football. There was a global pandemic that happened, wasn't there, Finn? Uh, there was some pretty rubbish stuff that happened, but there was also some pretty brilliant stuff that happened as well. But I'm yeah. sure we'll get into that. Yeah, well, we saw a season that was uncompleted. We saw titles getting handed, maybe, some people would say. <laughs> uh, relegation decided by points per game. It's just mental. It's been a mental year. And then... On top of that, we also saw Scotland men qualify for a major tournament for the first time this century. I was going to say it doesn't get any more mental than that, does it? Scotland <laughs> actually qualifying for a tournament. <laughs> You're right, that is the most mental moment of the whole year. Um, we've got some categories for our end of year awards, which you're going to help us with. I'll just start at the top. Goal of the year. Discuss. Ooh, um, there were actually, I, so I don't know what the rules are with this. Is it purely confined to goals that have been scored in the league is it cups is it international no, think, is it I think Europe? we can do I think we can do it all 
I think it should be by a, by a player for a Scottish club or a Scottish person. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's Fair. a curveball. Doesn't have to be a Scottish person, but it just means you could do people from elsewhere if you wanted to. Just has to reflect Scotland. Yeah, you start with Scottish people. Yeah, because yeah. I I think for me, by far, the most outstanding goal was Kemar Roof's goal from the halfway line for Rangers against Standard best goal Lange. I've ever seen. Yeah. Slaven was, was saying oh, that earlier. Man. He said best goal he's ever seen. End of debate, end of podcast, that's it. <laughs> oh, sharp. I mean, yes, it is a great goal. I just hated that comment from you. <laughs> oh, hold on, Andrew. Wait, well, let's award it to a Tavernier free kick. That it's wasn't better. I never said that was better. Okay, good. good. I was hoping you weren't going to fling that one in as a, a contender. My friend uh, Dave tried to suggest that might be. He's wrong. Uh, <laughs> who's yours, JJ? Um, I'm trying to remember the whole year and I can't remember anything anything really of the year apart from when that coronavirus thing happened but I remember um, the one that stuck up for me straight away was uh, Urhan's goal for St Mirren against Aberdeen do you know what oh, he yeah. hits on the outside yeah, of his yeah. peg in the top corner such a weird goal out of, no- out of nowhere so I quite like that one Stephen O'Donnell hit an absolute pinger against um, who was it again Laurie? Glenn Glen Torren Glenn Torren yeah that was a good one as well the one that made me bounce the most was Ryan Christie's Against Serbia, not against Aberdeen. <laughs> no, that was a good goal. Though that was a really oh, good goal. So yeah. was he's one against Hearts. To be fair, in the yeah, Scottish Cup final, <laughs> Christie's had a few, hasn't he? Yeah, but yeah, the one against Serbia. Oh man, what a moment! I mean, yeah, like yeah, okay, fine. Ruth scored from the halfway line, but Ryan Christie scored in the playoff final. So. And it was actually a really well worked goal as well. It's a very clever finish, yeah. It was a brilliant team goal. There were there were actually some some really good ones. I was trying to drop in the uh, shortlist. Uh, Erehan's one against Aberdeen actually was on the shortlist. That's uh, I think that's best described as a, a pinger. That type of goal, <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> smashed from miles out. Um, no, but there were a couple of other ones. Uh, I, I think Julian Serrano's goal uh, for Livy at Celtic Park was an absolute uh, oh, yeah. beauty. Hammed it in, didn't he? And actually, in the uh, the pre-COVID times, uh, Florin Camberry scored an absolute peach of a volley against St. Johnson uh, while he was in loan at Rangers. But I think, actually, like, I, I, the, the Kmar Roof goal aside, I think the goal that I enjoyed most uh, that's been scored in 2020 is a goal that I don't know if many people will have seen or, or remember that much, but quite near the start of the season, Kelly were playing Dundee United at Rugby yes. Park and they won 4-0. And the fourth goal is scored by Rory McKenzie. That's who, my one, yeah. <laughs> I would describe his lob over Segrist as borderline pornographic. Like, it is just... <laughs> it's such a beautiful finish. Into the path of Kilty. McKenzie arriving. McKenzie... Tries a clip and that's absolutely stunning from Rory McKenzie. That is class. It really was. Unbelievable finish from the substitute. The ball's rolled back to him. It was a brilliant counter-attack move. Kelly move up the pitch really quickly. And the ball comes back to him on the edge of the area. And I think there's been a lot of great goals that can be scored, you know, just by somebody thwacking it right into the top corner, which looks brilliant. But he just has such composure and lobs Segrist from the edge of the area I think that was probably my favourite league goal of this year yeah I, I totally agree that is the one that sticks out in my head the most out of this whole year the finish even the build up was amazing so I I mean I'm going to make the decision and say that was goal of the year because <laughs> uh, that was my one uh, what about game of the year who wants to start with this one I'll uh, I'll go with go with you Laura who was your favourite game of the year right well I'm, I'm going to save the most obvious one for last <laughs> and kind of let's Let's look at some of the ones that were contenders. Um, 
I think I, I'm going to pull one out that you guys probably have forgotten all about. It was a game that Motherwell played last season um, in the Scottish Cup, and it was a four-each game against St Mirren. Now, this didn't go in Motherwell's favour in the end, so it was a very disappointing night from my perspective working at it. But Motherwell went 1-0 up and then went 4-1 down by half-time. And it was just one of these games that was hell for leather. Throw everything forward, we've got nothing to lose. And it was three quick goals in succession. And I just love that feeling of when the ball hits the net, you just you grab the ball and you run back to the halfway line. No time for celebrations, guys. Just get going again. <laughs> um, and when the fourth goal went in to make it four each, it was pandemonium and it's almost like a it's a feeling that I just I miss so much now with, without the fans there you just don't get that emotion anymore in the end we lost some penalties so it's not going to be my my, <laughs> my winning game of the, the season um, a, a few others um, again similar uh, sentiment Motherwell beat Coleraine in the Europa League um, after going 2-0 up they pulled it back to two each we went down to 10 men completely down and out and managed to win on penalties that was amazing um the Celtic three each game of hearts in the Scottish Cup final is a highlight, but come on guys, there's surely only one winner here. Serbia won, Scotland won. You cannot pick a better game from the last 22 years than that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was everything you could ask for. Uh, we went ahead, we had the last minute heartbreak, we looked down and out, it looked to be the same old story again and boom, we actually pulled it off for once. It's, it's the stuff that dreams are made of. That's, I mean, that's the obvious answer. The <laughs> other one I put in is a slight, like, slightly romantic one below that was when um, games came back after the lockdown. So, like, the first game after that, and it was really nice to have football again to watch, like, be able to watch um, all of the Premiership, but watching like, Aberdeen play against Rangers in the first game, I think it was in August, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been really nice to have football to hold on to. I think there's too much of it now, to be honest. <laughs> like, I've had, I've had too much. I can't, Don't I jinx it, JJ. I, I, I know. But it's. Um, yeah, like it's great that the players have largely stuck to the things they've had to do because it's not. I'm sure it's not been easy for them. So I really am I'm quite thankful for them doing all that and being able to get the game going again because it has been lovely being able to watch football since then. So maybe that one Aberdeen and Aberdeen lost to Rangers and I didn't even care. There you go. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Finn, what was what was your moment? I did. I, I, I'm trying to do it for the most enjoyable game of football, and I wouldn't say that the Serbia game was enjoyable. Yes, my heart was <laughs> it was torture. I feel and, similar. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it wasn't a pleasant experience. I, I, I think for me, like I, I, I love watching games, especially if you're watching it as as a neutral, where it's just a kind of a ding dong battle between two sides. So the game you were mm-hmm. talking about, Laura, actually, the the four four game, that's the kind of game just I, lo- I love to watch. So I was trying to think through a couple of those and. Um, I think Aberdeen's 3-0 draw with Celtic uh, was was a, a great game for that. Oh, Lots of drama. Yeah. It was end-to-end. Uh, similarly, Hibs' 2-0 draw with Celtic was, was a great ding-dong match. The Hamilton 3-St. Johnson 5 game from a couple of weeks ago was just bonkers. I, I think as well in, in Europe, uh, watching the, the, the Rangers-Braga game and the comeback that Rangers had to come back from 2-0 down to win 3-2. And like when you see the crowd going bananas when Rangers get the third goal. That's what you miss about it. So actually, kind of off the back of that, the game I was thinking about uh, a little bit off the back of what you were saying, JJ, was the last game before lockdown. And that was um, St Mirren beating Hearts 1-0 in Paisley, which I think came in, was played like two or three days before the, the national lockdown happened. But it was, uh, I don't think it was a remarkable game of football. It was settled by the odd goal. It was the, the result that pretty much consigned Hearts clearly to the bottom of the table, though I think they would have been down anyway. But um, 
that was the last time we had actual fans in the stadium and uh, that's a kind of a nice moment to hold on to hoping that we'll get back to that again in the future Good point man uh, What about we've, we've mentioned the Serbia-Scotland game so I wouldn't be too surprised if some of the heroes of the year are going to be from the Scotland team uh, but I'll just shout out David Marshall um, for his save obviously uh, at the end which is just a standout not, not just for the save but his reaction as well you could just tell how much it meant to him and just give David Marshall every award going <laughs> just give him everything anything he wants Scotland are through to Euro 2020 David Marshall national hero in Scotland forever what about Ryan Christie for that interview that he gave oh. post-match where Thank he just Hero of the Year for an interview. Oh, but it was like, it, it's I mean, not how we were all feeling. <laughs> the, one thing, on. the one thing that's, that I find really important in football is the emotion of it. Uh, and to see Ryan Christie's emotion spill out all in that moment just made me know even more why I love football. Um, and here's a, here's a lad who's um, been so pivotal to, to Scotland's campaign. Yeah, um, I challenge anyone to watch that interview at that time and not have a lump in their throat watching that because you're just like yeah you get me you get how I feel right now it's been a horrible year for everyone we knew that coming into the game we could give a little something to this country and uh, I hope everyone back home is on our party tonight because we deserve it you know we've been through so many years we know it you know it and his goal just allowed us to dream as well okay didn't clinch it but it, it gave us that hope of course, we're we're missing out um, uh, the heroic Andrew Considine, who at the age of 33 <laughs> earned his place deservedly in the Scotland team. And is it a coincidence that since Considine got into the Scotland team, they have qualified for the first major <laughs> tournament in however long? The men's team anyway. Oh, well, yeah. will I say the same about Declan Gallagher as well then? It doesn't matter. He, he was there the whole time. The although it's, it's fair to say, although we're joking, um, Steve Clark is potential to be hero of the year he's, he's put a very this good manager team together. he's yeah. put this team together uh, he, he's brought in likes of Declan Gallagher London Dykes he's, he's even Andrew Constein he shaped this team made them the way he wants them to play and he's, he's he's made a team that don't lose games now and look how far it's got us in such a short space of time but we agree with David Marshall right of course it has to be. Nah. This was literally this was this was the least I've I've written in my notes for anything. It's literally just hero of the year, David Marshall. Like there's no debate about it whatsoever. Why he wasn't I, in sports personality of the year, I oh, have no idea. Stupid Build him a statue. Ridiculous. Why is there no statue outside Hamden yet? There will be, don't worry. It doesn't even need to be I mean if they're short of money, it doesn't even need to be his full statue, just do his left hand. So that's all Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Giant Maybe, glove it's a floor. great idea. Then everyone can go and like high five it when they go to Hamden. Maybe this is a perfect segue into the, like the disappointment of the year that we haven't already created a statue of David Marshall outside Hamden. <laughs> um, so, so just on that disappointments, what were your biggest disappointments from twenty twenty? Coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> well, brah, it sucks. I just love uh, the fact that Scotland isn't in the disappointment section. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. You could still be disappointed for not finishing top of the Nations League group. Of course, but yeah, we'll, we'll let that slide this time. Don't don't quote me on that though. That was definitely in the short list. I was gonna I was gonna say that as well, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think oh, it, it, I think this is one of the points where um, it's it's kind of obvious as well. 
Uh, I think it kind of comes as no surprise. Like my biggest disappointment of the year is the SPFL's handling of this entire pandemic. Uh, mm. I've spoken about it a few times on the podcast, so I'm not going to retread old ground, but it's pretty much every single conceivable aspect of how they handled the whole COVID situation has either been slow wrong or both of those things yeah it led to a civil war amongst our clubs it's left a pretty bitter aftertaste i think in the mouth of most clubs and supporters um and it's still something we can't even get away from now like they still can't get it right now this whole kind of will they won't they get the points for the unplayed fixtures thing that's going on but then it did get that kind of murder mystery like who is going to do the vote bit that was a good laugh <laughs> great like, that was a good laugh back in the you know when that was all going on i enjoyed that I like listening to sports scene live as it unfolded. That's like a like a great football match, but it was just the well. He said this. It was the most incredible <laughs> that moment. It was it Friday night, the Friday night when the votes were coming in, and then the Saturday when more unfolded live on Sports Sound. It was the most incredible few hours. I remember even like me and Finn are in the same group chat. We talk about football all the time, and we were like the the group chat was just on fire of everyone just shouting at each other going, "Wait, there's more. There's more. There's there's another like there's another U-turn and what's going on?" And it was just. It was just peak Scottish football. More fireworks than a presidential <laughs> election. <night. laughs> I think of all the things that, you know, Scottish football always throws up these random things. And I think of all the things that we couldn't possibly have anticipated, Dundee's spam filter is like the one that we just <laughs> didn't think would be such a season-defining or year-defining thing. That's the disappointment, their spam filter. Yeah. <laughs> their Norton antivirus. Disappointed with that. <laughs> Finn does have a point though in terms of like disappointment of the year. There's so much you can pull out from the the COVID fiasco um, that I don't think other countries are really suffering from in the same way. I mean, we were one of the very few leagues that wasn't played to a finish. I think that's disappointing because teams then suffered as a result of that. Um, teams were unfairly relegated. Um, I think it's a big disappointment we haven't had hearts in the Premiership this season. They're, they're a big loss. I think there was no playoff at the bottom of uh, League Two, so the whole Breakin, Kelty, Bora, there was no there was no promotion there, which I think was unfair considering it happened. Uh, there was a promotion in other leagues. Um, also, we're not getting a winter break, which is as a result of the COVID fiasco. Um, this is a, a knock-on effect, a domino effect from that, and it's going to in turn affect affect players, affect teams, um, new players coming in in January, settling into squads as well, and also to me the biggest one is we've not had fans back yet. And mm. that's a huge disappointment because, and I, I have said this before, and I, just to say, I don't want to tread over old ground, but when things died down during COVID around the kind of July, August, September time, I feel like fans should have came back in at that point. And then as things got bad again, we reduced the numbers to albeit now we don't have fans back in because it's so high again. To not have them at all during this entire stretch of, what, nine months is just... Yeah, it's a, that's the biggest disappointment for me. Yeah. And then just to add as a final biggest disappointment for me, Funso Ojo. <laughs> <laughs> His name promises so much. Right then, we should finish on, well, 2020 has been so mental. How mental is 2021 going to be? Uh, I want some predictions, crazy ones, the most fantastical you can think of. Funso Ojo is going to score the winning goal for Aberdeen to crown the <laughs> Premiership title this year. <laughs> yes. And I can't wait. Brilliant. That gets us off perfectly. Laura, let's go to you. Um, Scotland will win the Euros. Obviously. Because we're on fire. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Finn? 
I was having a real think about this and I was just trying to figure out what end of outrageous to make it like. Is it something that you think is potentially outrageous but will it could potentially happen? Yeah, or is Lester, it something Lester yeah. bit. Yeah, we were just joking. <laughs> something completely ridiculous like saying that Lewis Ferguson will go a whole year without collecting a yellow card or that Hamilton won't finish 10th. You know, it's like those kind of <laughs> improbable uh, scientific things. Uh, I, I, I was having to think about this. I think as... Uh, outrageous as it sounds I think 2021 there is a real possibility that Celtic might go a whole calendar year without winning a trophy there you go Ooh, see I was going to say I think it's outrageous but I think Celtic will win the 10 and the way that you guys have been talking recently and they're so you're so convinced that Rangers are going to win the league I think it's an outrageous projection to say no I think Celtic will win it do you know why Celtic won't win the 10 because I don't think there's ever been a points turnaround this large before. I, I, I've i been looking for it and I can't see where a team has turned around 16 points. It's not 16 points though. Yeah, but it there's is. There's three games it in hand. It is. It is. It's on the league table. It's right there. Oh, is it? I think we've learned this week the league table doesn't mean anything right now. The table doesn't lie. <laughs> it the clearly big, does. It does I right now. The, the biggest one I can think of is, is well, just off the top of my head, is in England. Um, I think the Kevin Keegan Newcastle side <laughs> were 12 points ahead of Alex Ferguson at one yes. point in the 95-96 season and, and didn't end up winning the title. So, yeah. Okay, so it's an outrageous prediction then to see I think Celtic will win the league. It could be quite outrageous. What about uh, Stephen Gerrard doing a, a Brendan Rodgers and leaving Rangers on the cusp of their title victory uh, <laughs> to take over at Liverpool who have a shocking start to 2021. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp gets sacked. Gerrard comes in the saviour. Um, and Rangers fans hate him forever. Jurgen Klopp's contract uh, expires the same day as Steven Gerrard's at Rangers. I think <laughs> everyone right. knows wow. what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think if if Gerrard does end up delivering the title, I don't think the Rangers fans would care either way. I think they'd quite happily drive him down to Liverpool in, yeah, a, in a big open top bus to hand him over to Liverpool if he delivered the title. Hand him over? <laughs> <laughs> on a plate. <laughs> He's done his business, now have him back. But I think the, the the wonderful thing about Scottish football is that th- there are all these bizarre, wonderful moments that will happen during the year. Like, uh, out with the whole COVID thing, there have been some fantastic little moments, you know, like who can forget Uchek Piezu's breathtaking skill against St. Johnson <laughs> at McDermott Park or the Wires Isaiah Whitlock Jr. outing himself as a massive Stenhouse Muir fan or yeah. one of my absolute favourite bits of content anywhere in 2020 was Murdo McLeod's sensational Q&A with Dumbarton's Twitter account <laughs> where, oh, they asked, sensational. where they asked him questions like who's your favourite player of all time and Murdo replied I don't have a favourite player that's the kind of stuff that I'm really looking forward to happening in 2021 more of that I like it more of that well that's it from us uh, thanks for listening today uh, and across the whole year thanks to JJ Laura Heather and Finn and also to Charlie and also to the Little Kicks for our theme song I guess we'll be back next Tuesday in 2021. So from all of us, have a happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. year. (laughs) Bye. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees.
Media.